If you turn over into Hebrews chapter 11 again, I just want to continue on uh, just where we were last week, uh, looking at men that stopped the mouths of lions. And this the second small part of this, uh, just before we come to prayer. But he, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and we're going to read from verse 32. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. And if you have your uh, Bible and you turn to there, once you're there, if you would stand and we'll read together uh, verse 32 down to verse uh, 40. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, 32. We'll all read it audibly together from verse 32. Amen. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lands, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bones wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Sorry, that was my fault. And imprisonment, verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you touch every life tonight? Lord, we lift every request, every broken heart. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you come by your mighty power. Speak through your word. And Lord, we pray much ground would be taken in the place of prayer. Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. Lord, anoint your word. Lord, let faith arise in our hearts. May Christ be glorified among us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. If you turn back over just into Daniel chapter 6, we'll come there just in a few moments' time. But we're last week we were looking at men, women, that stopped the mouths of lions. In our reading tonight there, in that verse... 33, it simply says, who through faith, just think of it, I know we know this chapter so well, it's well rehearsed, but as you're turning over into Daniel, that through faith, through faith, kingdoms were subdued. Think, Just think of what we're reading tonight, through faith, kingdoms were subdued, promises were obtained. And the mouths of lions were stopped. And that's all through faith. Faith. May God give us this faith in this prayer meeting tonight. May God give the church this faith tonight in the prayer meeting. Think about it. Kingdoms. Kingdoms were subdued through faith. Promises were obtained through faith. 
lands, the mouths of lands were stopped through faith. Do we need this faith? Do we need to exercise the faith that has been given to us? This faith, you know, the faith that we're talking about, it is the currency of the kingdom. It's the currency of the kingdom. In other words, in the natural, the currency, the pound, is what you use in order that you can exchange and purchase something. But in the kingdom, this kingdom of which we're a part, that knows no end, the currency of this kingdom is faith. And we can exchange through faith in this kingdom. What can we do? Kingdoms can be subdued. Promises can be obtained. The promise of healing, the promise of deliverance, the promise of salvation, the promise of divine protection, the promises of God through faith can be obtained tonight and the mouths of lands can be stopped. Without it, of course, we know very well that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But with faith, And by faith and through faith, extraordinary and supernatural things happen. This is the faith we need. We need the extraordinary. We need the supernatural power of God. We need to see things happen that can't be achieved by the arm of flesh. We need God to move, don't we? Jesus said, with men, it's impossible but not with God. For with God, all things, all things are possible. The exchange or the currency for that is faith. And that's not something so much just what we say, but it is an act of the heart based upon the word with the conviction of God and the Holy Ghost in your life and a prayer that's fervent and focused and faithful at the throne of grace, and the supernatural happen. We need to see the supernatural hand of God. We need an outpouring of God's Spirit. We need breakthroughs individually, families, corporately, as a church, as a nation. We're edging ever closer that we know that we are at the absolute edge where we must see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We must see a supernatural act of God. We must see that which is not the ordinary. The nation is crippled because they're operating in the ordinary and don't know what to do, but we serve a God that, that, that is able to do that which is the impossible. And we need a demonstration of the impossible. And what's needed for that is a faith that we've read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Last week in Daniel 6, we went to a man that's a man that did stop the mouths of lions is not a fantasy or a fairy tale. We went to a man that stood in a, in a lion's den or a den of lions. He stood right in the midst of those lions and God had shut their mouths. Now, many years ago, I had the unfortunate experience of going into a lion's den. There were real lions there. There weren't kittens. There were actually proper lions in Zimbabwe and there were young lions. But I have never, on, on close up, Right when they came down and they were around you and the keeper was there, I have never seen a more fierce and fearful animal than the lion. 
it it is it is an awesome thing. I can honestly tell you, I was petrified, and uh, Andy Gray was outside the cage, and he was in stitches laughing. I wasn't laughing. I was near crying, and that big laugh. He was, oh, bro, go ahead. And I was going, go ahead, not and get the door open. I want out. Because when you see this thing close up, it's a it's a fierce, powerful animal. And you know. I was thinking a lot about Daniel over these couple of weeks. Long before Daniel ever went into the lion's den, the victory had already been won. Long before he went into the den. We looked at the man's character in verse 10, and we seen his reaction to the, the law that had come in at this time. And Daniel saw that the writing was signed. But none of this changed Daniel. That was the remarkable thing about this man's character. Whatever was happening, whatever was taking place, none of this changed this man of God. It simply says that he went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day. He prayed. He gave thanks before his God. And what does it say there? The last few words, as he did aforetime, nothing changed. Can I tell you something in the midst of all of this? Nothing's changed with God. He's still the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything's changing. The church is changing. Believers are changing. But God hasn't changed. He's still a supernatural God. He's still the almighty God. He's still the God that's looking to show himself strong on the behalf of his people. Spurgeon said, and if you look at this man, if you can get it in the in the in your mind's eye, if you like, you see a man on his knees, his hands lifted to heaven and pointed towards Jerusalem, and his window open. You get that picture for a moment. And the Holy Ghost is coming upon him, and he's beginning to pray as he's always prayed. So he always sought the Lord. This is what he was. He didn't change because of what they were doing. This is what he was. Spurgeon said these words, groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers that cannot be refused. I want to say that again. Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. Do you know what we need in our prayer meetings? We need a groan. Listen, friends, we need to know what it is to groan in the Spirit. We need to know what it is for the Holy Ghost to lay hold of a prayer meeting and take a people into a deeper place with God. And the groanings of the Spirit of God begin to work through that body. And God hears and God answers prayer. In verse 16, <clears throat> when the commandment had been made. And Daniel had been found out. <clears throat> and the king was told. It tells us there that they brought Daniel and the king had commanded that Daniel be brought and cast him into the den of lions. And the king, the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, Daniel, he's going to deliver you. And as a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel, then the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Brothers and sisters, the king knew 
that Daniel's God would deliver him. Do you know that our God's able to deliver us? You know, we sing the songs and we preach it and we pray it. But we need to know that this is a reality. Our God is able to deliver us. Our faith is going to have to become more than a song or words. Our faith is going to have to become more than a message or something that we listen. It's going to have to be lived that our God is a deliverer. That he's a mighty deliverer. And even this heathen king knew Daniel and said, Daniel, I know one thing. That rock's being rolled across this door. And my key's going to go on as a signet and seal you in there. But your God is able to deliver you. Verse 19, it says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lands. And when he came to the den... He cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, listen to this, and I could have stopped for a moment, could I help you to get the picture, if you don't mind. Here's early in the morning, the king had no sleep. He tossed and turned the night. He was thinking of this man Daniel in this den. And he comes early in the morning to the den, and he's standing at the door. And he begins to speak and shout into that den and say, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? It's so simple, isn't it? But so profound. You can imagine the servants. You can imagine the amount of men and women that would have passed through that den before Daniel. He wasn't the first. This was the way that they dealt with them. You can imagine how many would have went in and never heard of again. And all the servants and all the great men and the men that caused the conspiracy are all standing and the king shouting into the den, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God able to deliver you? Can you imagine the scene? Can you see them looking? Can you see those that waited on the king looking at this man, thinking that something strange in this man, that he would even think to ask such a question? Friends, I want to tell you something, and I'll say it again. I've already said it once. But long before Daniel went into the den of lions, he had already won the victory. Long before he ever went into that den of lands, the victory had already been won. And where was it won? But it was won on his knees. It seems to be the last thing that the church will do today. They'll do everything else. They'll jump through every other loophole. They'll run around every other meeting. But the last thing it seems to want to do is get on its knees and pray through to God. The victory will always be won in the church through prayer, through the power of prayer, through the groan of prayer, through the privilege of prayer. And the church needs to pray. The one concern of the devil, Samuel Chadwick said, is to keep Christians from praying. He does not fear prayerless. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion he laughs at our toils he mocks at our wisdom but he trembles when we pray he trembles when we pray now there may not be many corporate prayer meetings called tonight across this nation that's fine 
But see, wherever there is, and there are some, there are some, but see, wherever there's a prayer meeting tonight, corporately, and people of God get down on their knees and begin to pray, I want to tell you something, hell begins to tremble. There's only one rejoicing tonight that the churches are shut. I want to tell you who it is. It's the devil himself. But when the church prays, when, as we often hear our sisters say, let us take up this weapon of prayer, when those shoes are kicked off her feet, and you know Sister Carl's up and down these aisles, you know, you know and I know that hell begins to tremble. Not because our sister or any of us are great, but because we know what it is of the privilege of prayer and to pray and to pray through. Why is it important that we take the weapon of prayer up? Why is it important that we get focused, that we're faithful, and that we're fervent in the place of prayer? Why pray at all? Why is it that we should shake ourselves, as it were, out of the mold and out of the the conditioning of the day? And why should we get down and begin to call on God and begin to bombard the throne of grace and pray through until God? Why should we do it? Why is it not not easier just not to pray? Would the devil not be more satisfied if we all just sat or we didn't come or we just left it off? Friends, this is why the devil fears prayer. And I want to show you tonight. It's in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And Jesus said these words, speaking to Peter, Matthew 16 and 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, I want to say something. The devil has been so crafty and so cute right at this, these few words because he's made a doctrine out from hell out of it. And that's how we have the Roman Catholic Church today right here. The church is not built in Peter. The church is built in Jesus. And so we see even here that the devil wants to con- contort the word in order that the church wouldn't find out the privilege that it has, that it wasn't for Peter, and I'll prove it to you in a moment, that it's for the church collective, not for one man, that God would give an authority to the church. Thou art Peter, but upon this rock, he said, Jesus is that rock. He's the cornerstone. I'll build my church. And what does he say? Would you say it all with me? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We would say amen tonight to that. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. All hell is being let loose. But I tell you one place where there's victory, where there's hope, and where there's peace, it's in the church of Jesus Christ. All hell will be unleashed against her. But even at that, They'll not prevail. What a mighty God we serve tonight. We're built upon that rock and that rock is Jesus. And then he said these words. Look at it tonight because this is what's important. This is what the devil wants to distort. This is what he's done. Even birthing the Roman Catholic Church out of this and the succession of the popes that they have the authority. Can I tell you, child of God, tonight, you have the authority. 
Verse 19 says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now the lie in it is, that was all just for Peter. But the truth of it is tonight, that's for the church of Jesus Christ. He has given us the authority to take that authority in the place of prayer. Now wouldn't the devil want to bury that? Wouldn't he want to bury it in religion? Wouldn't he want to distort it? Wouldn't he want to take it out of context so that we wouldn't know the truth of it? Jesus says, I am this rock. And I am going to build my church on this rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And here's another thing. I am going to give you authority as the church of Jesus Christ over all the power of darkness. And when you pray, hell itself will shake when you recognize and know the authority that God has given you. How do we know it's for the church? And not just Peter. Just two chapters over. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. Jesus said these words, Matthew 18, 18. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever shall ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, where's the promise? There am I in the midst of them. That's not to Peter. That's to the church. That's to all of us tonight. The authority that we have in the place of prayer, when we come together, the two or threes in his name, when we, first of all, what's important here is in the, in the understanding of the authority is that we must know what his will is when we pray. There's not much point to us just praying anything we want and people walking around binding and loosening and it has just to be done. First of all, we must know what His will is. Then when we pray according to His will, then there's an authority in that. And what we pray on earth, it shall be done in heaven. And there's an authority. So it's not just a case of what they've distorted this to become that I'm going to agree that I'm going to have a new car and it's going to have to be a Mercedes. That's all nonsense. It's knowing the heart of God. It's praying the will of God. It's being in agreement with heaven. And when there's an agreement with heaven and earth and two or three is touching that, the part of God is let loose. And through faith, supernatural things happen. What is God's heart as we're coming to pray tonight? What is the heart of God in a day and an age where this whole nation is filled with fear? I have as I preached on Sunday, but I have fasted my mind from, I don't know what's going on, but I tell you, thank God I don't. But I've filled it these few days with the Word of God. And I tell you, friends, there is a freshness in it. I encourage you to do it. Shut yourself off. If you can, not everybody can. Shut yourself off. Get into the Word. Get into prayer. Begin to get the heart of God. In a nation that's filled with fear and is being shaken, there's a church in the midst of it with an authority with a power with a hope with a message with a victory the victory of the cross the blood of Jesus what should we do what is the heart of God we honestly need to pray tonight against the powers of darkness and wickedness in high places
We need to pray for God's great mercy to be poured out because we deserve wrath. We deserve judgment on our nation. That's what we deserve. Our nation deserves that because of the laws that we have made. Do you think there's no connection and what is happening and the laws that we've brought in and we've waved our fist in the face of God and we've pointed our finger and we thought we're smart and now God is, is allowing the nation to plunge into hell. What should the church do? We should pray and plead for mercy. You're in the will of God. Plead for mercy. God, have mercy upon us. Pour out your spirit. Intervene. Drive back the darkness. Remove this plague from us, O God. Have mercy. What you find in this book when men and women did it, God, that plague would be stopped when men would stand in the gap and say, God, have mercy. Have mercy. I'm in the will of God. I'm praying in the will of God when I plead for the mercy at the throne of grace. Friends, tonight we must pray effectively, fervently against the powers of darkness, wickedness in high places, the power of God to be moved in this land and our hearts and the church to be awakened and pray right through until God comes. The mouths of lands are stopped. Daniel said, there's a voice comes back. See, we're not just praying up, but thank God there's a voice that comes back. And there's a voice comes out of that, O King, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the land's mouths. They have not hurt me for as much before him innocency was found in me. And also before the O King have I done no hurt? And verse 23 says, Then was the king exceeding glad for him, commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No manner of hurt was found upon him. Why? Because he believed his God. He believed his God. Do you know what happened to the enemies of Daniel? They were all cast into the land's den after it. And there was no deliverance. Friends, I want to tell you, God's able to turn around this old evil. And he's able to turn the whole thing around for good and for his glory. But the church needs to pray. We need to pray. We must pray. We must call on God. We must believe God tonight, friends. I believe it is urgent. I believe we must call on the Lord tonight. We must be fervent. We must be faithful. We must be focused. But we must pray. We must pray. This faith stops the mouths of lions. And there's a lot of mouths today, friends, that are speaking great things against this God. And it's time the church needs to pray. We need to pray. May we pray and seek God tonight and believe God together. Amen. And know God will hear and answer us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, for the authority that you have given us as your people tonight, O oh God. Lord, this is your house, O oh God. We are your people, Lord. We're built upon that rock, and that rock, that rock is Jesus. We thank God tonight for the privilege of prayer. And, O oh God, I pray that every individual in this room that knows you as Lord and Savior would take the privilege that's been granted unto them through the grace of God, Lord, to come to this throne tonight. But, Lord, may we pray. Oh, God, this work will fail without prayer. 
Lord, we'll not go forward without prayer. Lord, we need, Lord, the prayer wheels to turn tonight. Lord, we need the engine room to be working tonight. We need, Lord, oil in our lamps tonight, Lord. Lord, we need the blessed Holy Spirit. Lord, would you encourage us to pray, Lord, and to pray through tonight, O God. Lord, awaken us, Lord. Oh, awaken us. Awaken us, O God. Lord, to pray, Lord, to believe you. Lord, in these days, Lord, anoint us all, each one, to pray tonight. Get our heads, Lord, cleared from everything, Lord. And Lord, get our focus tonight to pray and to believe God together. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.